internet's full of true crime podcasts. More and more are added to the list every day. Figuring out where to start or where to go next can be overwhelming. But have no fear, I'm here to help. I'm Bob Ruff, and this is the place to find your next true crime binge. I'm joined today by the host of the Wife of Crime podcast, Jess, who's not only the host, but you you and your husband, Russ, also hosts. Yes, we host it together. Um, I Yes, I'm Jess. Nice to meet everybody. Um, I started Wife of Crime back in 2019 with my husband. He's not here today, so it's just me. Um, but yeah, we started it a few years ago, and we've been going strong ever since. And nice. uh, you guys were a pre pandemic podcast. You started in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're also joined today by my my lovely assistant, Erica. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> watch it, Bob. Watch it. <laughs> That's so funny. Russ always calls me his assistant as well, and I'm his wife. So I love that. <laughs> nice. nice. I, I tried to slide one in in a text message earlier today. Yep. And uh, and I, I was it. immediately reminded that uh, that uh, she's not my assistant. Listen, every all the big podcasters have assistants. I need an assistant. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I was literally just talking about this with Russ the other day. All these people have assistants, and him and I work full time. We have our mm-hmm. podcast. We have real estate, and I'm like, wait, where's my assistant? I need to find right. like some broke college kid to come yes. and do all this, all the stupid little busy work that you need get to get done. Paid intern stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Erica is our production manager and has a very important job, but I still like to refer to her yeah. as my assistant because it makes me feel. You. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and if I if I'm going to be honest, Erica, like when like when I'm talking to people, I, I I like to say, "Let me see what my assistant has on my calendar," because it makes me sound so important that I have an assistant that puts things on my calendar. It I'll does. Allow it. I'll allow it. Yeah. <laughs> to be to be fair, you do put things on my calendar. I was going to say that is a big part of my job. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> so my assistant Erica joining us from her closet today. Yep. You know, I forgot to say in the last, I forgot to tell your mom hi in my last, Ooh, in our last episode. You, she's going to be so upset. <laughs> I'm sorry, Mrs. K. Has she said anything to you about, about oh, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. constant harassing of Mrs. She, not, she honestly hasn't remarked on it the last few times, but uh, yeah, definitely. She, uh, I forget, oh, shoot, she told me to tell you something. Oh, that she loves taking care of Arthur, and I, she, uh, which is my lizard, if you don't remember. Gross. My bearded dragon, and uh-huh. Bob, hate, Bob hates him. So, Aww. I refer to him actually as my roommate, talking about referring to me as your assistant. Arthur is not my pet; he is my roommate. So, does she lizard sit for you when she you're has, like yeah. out of town? I went to um, London for a month, a long time, a few years ago, and she she took over the job, and she would cuddle him, and they'd watch TV Aww. together. Uh. <laughs> Bob's face. <laughs> Still nasty. <laughs> Are you a pet bad. person, Bob? Do you like pets? I'm a I'm a furry pet person. Yes, I have. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I have three three beautiful dogs. There, a cat has just moved into my garage, and I'm pretty uh-huh. sure that that thing's gonna make more babies oh, again. You can't. Get, <laughs> That's funny. You can't get a cat fixed anywhere around really? here. Yeah. Really? Like, 
it's like pandemic stuff. It's uh, it makes no sense. But hmm. the so we had over the summer, like one day we went in our garage and there was this mean old cat that was like growling at us every time we mm. went to go up our stairs, mm-hmm. and we realized she was growling at us because she decided to have kittens behind Aww. our stairs. Yeah, it was a whole pain in the ass. They're adorable <laughs> kittens, but it took. It's like Jess has the correct response. <laughs> Oh, no, fuck those cats. Are you know how hard it is to get rid of cats? I thought they were adorable kittens. I'll just put a post on Facebook and mm. people will... It was a nightmare. Months mm. to get rid of all these kittens. And then I was like, I like having the cat around because we live out in the country and she like kills all the gophers and yeah, the and the mice and, all that. and everything. Yeah. yeah. And she's a good hunter. Like she was... Oh, this is gross. She would feed those tiny kittens whole like chipmunks. Like she'd just oh come prancing into the garage with a chipmunk and... And you look at this adorable little kitten that just looked like something from a horror movie, just <laughs> just like chewing the head off a gopher <laughs> in my garage. Oh, it was a bloodbath. Uh, a bloodbath. But I figure, like, well, like she's fine to stay, like she likes to live in the. We just start putting food and water out there for her, and she just wanders the neighborhood and stuff. But I was like, I need to get her fixed because I don't want her pooping out more kittens in my garage. <laughs> pooping out. And we called like there's a there's a place that does like a shelter that does um that that like. Like spays stray mm-hmm. cats. It's mm-hmm. like fifty bucks. Take them in, and mm-hmm. they, they call them like spay and release or something. I don't know what they call it, mm-hmm. but yeah, yeah. So we try to get in there, and they're like, "Well, we only have so many appointments a month, and on the third of every month, we open up the appointments online for the following month at eight o'clock in the morning." And twice at eight o one, I got on there, and they were gone. Oh for the wow! Whole so I just I was like, "Forget, I'll just pay the full price." I called my vet, and they're like, "Yeah, yeah, we can get in her and spare. We can get her." This is in this was in like. September. Mm-hmm. We're like, uh, we've got an appointment in uh, January. You want to get in, oh, in January? <laughs> oh, my gosh. She'll definitely yeah. get pregnant said, before January. Yeah. She'll have two litters by then. Yeah. I think, yeah. I'm pretty sure she's pregnant right now. Oh. She's just hanging around whining and getting all fat. Aww. Um, yeah, so I'm pretty sure she's pregnant again right now. And uh-huh. yeah, my vet was like, my dad was telling me the same thing with his vet. He's like, yeah. Apparently, like nobody will work. They don't have enough staff. Oh yeah. To, oh yeah. To, well, yeah. Because so they're that's o- a really tough job, and with yeah. not a lot of reward. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like at the vet, there's like the one vet, and then there's like ten other people Assistants that work in the office. Techs, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they said that they're already they're only open like four days a week now because they don't oh, have right. enough. Oh. Yeah, and they're like are just way way mm-hmm. behind. So. Well, never mind. I was going to say something. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Oh. You can say things you shouldn't. I, I My co-host says things he shouldn't all the time. I'm used to it. <laughs> I was just going to say, I was just going to say, maybe the kitten, maybe she got pregnant again so fast because you got rid of her last babies. Maybe. Aww. Um. <laughs> Bob, well, what a leave jerk. Them Why there? would you do that? <laughs> I guess. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Listen, I put up with a lot of bullshit for those cats. I... <laughs> They were like in the garage and it was fine. And then we had them like, and I, and I like have this big box that I built that I put out there to like keep them safe. And then they got old enough to start crawling out of it. Uh And then they started like wandering out of the garage and I was afraid they're going to hit by a car. So I shut my garage. And even with a litter box, if you have seven kittens and a full grown cat in a garage Mm -hmm. closed Mm -hmm. for a month and a half. You know how bad your garage smells? Yeah, I bet. I bet it really smells. The the moment I gave away the last kitten, I was like out there with like a putty knife <laughs> scraping up like Ugh. dried up poop off the floor and a hose. I was out there for hours trying to get the smell out of my garage. 
like yeah. a park back in there again. And cat I already smells told that, another level. It's yes. another Ugh. level. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. not for me. I I love a cat. I don't love a cat in my house or my or you know more than one in my garage. Mm-hmm. But I already told my wife. I was like, that cat makes another litter of kittens in there. That just like. We'll try to get rid of them, but whatever happens, happens. I'm not not in the Aww. wintertime. I'm not locking my car out of the garage <laughs> in the wintertime for stray kittens. And, and I tried to, because again, I'm pretty sure she's pregnant. Like I tried, I was like, listen, because again, we, we live kind of out there. There's only four houses back where I live and they're all, they're all oh, on wow. five acres. So it's pretty spread out. I was like, listen, I think if when she leaves tomorrow morning, if we close the garage door and she can't get in. She'll go find a spot in Dennis's barn to have there the kittens, and go. then there'll be Dennis's the neighbor's problem. Neighbor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Becky won't let me do it. Um, so, so Jess, you are mm-hmm. married to Russ, yes, and uh, and you guys started this podcast. We'll get into the start of the podcast pretty soon here, but uh, okay. Uh, you said you mentioned a full time job, so you're you're an ER nurse. So yeah, I just switched to radiology nursing. Actually, oh. I I was an ER nurse. Um, I've been an ER nurse since 2018, and then earlier this year, I switched to radiology because the pandemic was just so traumatic for me. I'm sure. And yeah, it was a lot. I love ER nursing, and I actually miss it a lot, but I really needed to like take a step back because just like your vet problem, <laughs> we're having the same problem in hospitals all over the country, and especially in ERs where we're short-staffed. And we just have way too many patients and not enough yeah. staff. So I switched in May and I've been doing a lot better. Um, you know, you were a fireman, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So, you know, as a first responder, it's like this love-hate relationship with your job where I don't know if you felt this or not, but oh yeah, <laughs> you you love the adrenaline rush of the emergency and running in to save lives and that whole part of it is so exciting but then all the other bullshit that comes along with the job mm-hmm. it just can get so overwhelming and traumatic sometimes <laughs> and oh, yeah. it becomes very unhealthy and toxic oh, and, and ERs is tough i mean i did for my medical license i did a lot of clinicals working in the er mm-hmm. and uh, it's but, but what people don't realize is yeah there's there's the the cases that come in like you see on uh, on the Good Doctor or something that's like super like crazy intense mm-hmm. interesting cases. Yep. And your adrenaline gets it's same thing with the fire whether it's medical calls or fires like there's that one call this week where you know a house is burning and somebody's trapped inside and you're kicking a door down and going but that's one percent of your job. The rest yeah. of the time you're like taking complaints about people burning leaves and somebody yeah. call. My favorite for us was always. At least when you guys are like you're on shift, even if it's a night shift, you know that you're there to work all night. Mm-hmm. For us, we work 24-hour shifts and we yeah. get to sleep at night unless there's a problem. Yeah. And then you'll get the you'll get the call at 3:30 in the morning and they'll be like we've got a uh a, a someone has a, a stomach pain and a potential <laughs> rectal bleed. Been bothering them since noon. Like, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Like, why now? Why did they why? wait? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, like that's fantastic. So at noon, you knew you had a problem, and you waited till three in the morning to mm-hmm. wake us up, and we got to run out there. Uh, but yeah, there's a there's a and then all the just the oh, other yeah. drama, the politics, and just everything else that goes on gets gets rough. But that's a big that's a big difference going for because I've done clinicals in radiology as well. Yeah, going from ER 
to radiology. What a whole different, Huge that's a different, different pace. <laughs> yes. And I, it took me like, I had like withdrawals. Like it took me a good two months to not be at work like, you know, like on edge. Like what am I yeah, doing? Yeah. I had to do something. I got to do something. So it took a while to get used to. Um, but I realized once I got into this job, which is like a cakewalk. I mean, I'm just popping IVs in all day. It's the easiest <laughs> gig, yeah. right? I see you for five minutes, throw an IV in. Have a nice day. See you later. Like, that's my day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I actually get to pee and I actually get to eat lunch. Whereas, <laughs> yeah. like, last year uh, alone, I had, it's probably TMI. You're probably like, what is she saying this for? But I had six urinary tract infections last oh. year because I didn't oh. pee at work. Yeah. That I would go so hours. <laughs> and so now I can actually, like, take a bathroom break and eat my lunch. And it was a huge. It's just a huge difference. And I really realize now, like being in radiology, I've been in radiology for almost six months now, just how unhealthy ERs are. And like, mm-hmm. shout out to all these ER nurses that are still there. Mm-hmm. And ICU nurses, there's there's a lot. Yeah, I mean, the hosp- yeah. healthcare in general, that's a whole other discussion. <laughs> yeah. Like it's really, American healthcare is really bad right now. But I shout out to them because the ones that have lasted and still in there, like it's a tough job. Yeah. yeah, and I needed a break, and maybe I'll go back one day. We'll see, or maybe I'll yeah. become a famous podcaster and leave nursing yeah. altogether. There you go. Yeah, this that's is a- the, yeah. <laughs> After this, you're just nothing but podcasting. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but yeah, it, it it is such a, it, and I, I kind of went through the same thing because I was so I I worked. I was a, a lieutenant on the the busiest engine in our county, which means oh wow. But we ran more everything from fires to car accidents, medical. Like I was oh, yeah. going, going, going all the time, and I was kind of exhausted by it. But then I got. I took a job as the fire chief at another department because mm-hmm. I wanted it. I had four kids. I wanted to be, I was tired of the 24 hour shifts. I wanted a normal eight to five job. Mm-hmm. So then I took that job, but it's a much slower department. And now I'm the chief. So I'm not doing, I'm not on the engine working the calls. So it was like, part of it was like, oh, this is so much more relaxing. And then the rest of the, then there was the other part of me that is like, this is the most boring freaking thing yeah. I've ever done in my life. And just <laughs> sitting here with paperwork all day long yep. instead mm-hmm. of actually like going out and fighting fires. It's definitely an adjustment. You know, I feel like I, you might be able to relate to this. Um, but people who are like in the first responder world, we kind of have a hero complex. A lot of mm-hmm. us, we love being needed and the hero thing and that was a huge thing for me to get used to as well because like especially during the pandemic um i saw a lot of death like a lot because new york was hit so hard and specifically my hospital was hit really hard in the beginning and um that's kind of when things shifted for me in my head because i was seeing all this death and there was just nothing we could do like Mm -hmm. so many people were dropped they were dropping like flies and we were all just trying to catch up we were intubating everyone, putting everyone on a ventilator. Um, and it was just like going from having that hero complex that a lot of people in first responder world have, and then knowing there's nothing you can do to save these people. It was a really tough thing. And even now, like when I switched to this new job, like you said, like I still miss that side of it. Like when mm-hmm. someone rolls in yeah. and and they're dead and we bring them back to life, like who can say that they've brought people back to life like i've done that so it's really um that's one thing i do miss about it but yeah then you have 
the crackheads who throw pee at you yeah. and you get called mm-hmm. every name in the book and you have sure. the chronic pain people that come in mm-hmm. who have been in pain for six months and then decide today is the day they want to be in the ER. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. So it's just, you know, yeah, like you said earlier. We're busy today. But yeah, that's, that, that's a whole, like people don't talk about it much, but that that whole thing, the hero complex, you know, or whatever it is, it's there. There's something that very fulfilling about doing your job and being able to like literally change people's lives, save people's mm-hmm. lives, and it's. But but it's that's that's why they're you know with first responders too. There's a lot of depression rates. There's a mm-hmm. high suicide rates mm-hmm. and stuff because when you build yourself up to that point where it's like I'm the person. That they call when they can't call anybody else, yeah. and I'm going to come in and save the day. And then suddenly you can't save the day, mm-hmm. and especially I can't even imagine like during the pandemic yeah. where that's happening. Oh, because I've I've certainly had those calls where it's just like you thought you know sometimes there's just you know there's nothing you can do, but then there's other times where it's like I really thought I had this one. I thought yeah. I thought we were going to be able to help them, and you weren't able to. That's hard to hard to deal with. You got to ha- you got to have something else in your life that you can shift that focus to or you just go into a dark hole real fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm lucky I I started therapy in November of 2020. Um that was huge for me. Um because you know, during I was dealing with the pa- pandemic as well as doing the podcast. So mm-hmm. I'm researching murder and mm-hmm. true crime and then I'm also going to work and dealing with everything that went along with that. And then I'm just like right. dealing everybody dealt with a lot with the po- uh with the pandemic with just the anxiety of like the not knowing, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, all those three things, you know, really got me uh, into a dark place. And then in July of 2020, we took a break from the podcast because I told Russ, I was like, listen, I can't go to work and I'm bagging bodies all day. <laughs> like I can't right. deal with that and then research murders. It's just too depressing. Mm-hmm. So we right. took a break. And then in November, I started therapy and it was the best thing I ever did just being able to like get it out mm-hmm. um, and talk yeah. about it and and it really helped me and then in in January of 2021 we revamped the podcast so we took about a six month break during 2020 yes. for that reason but that's so necessary the therapy mm-hmm. aspect is huge mm-hmm. I talk about you know, we, we have we have better help as a sponsor sometimes mm-hmm. and uh, but I was I always say there and I, and it, it's a true story like I, I had a point in my life mm-hmm. where I was just like just an absolute disaster, just angry at everything. And it was a mm-hmm. lot of it had to do with work stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I finally like broke down and went and, and saw a therapist for a little while and it's in, and was able to like pull me out of it. Cause mm-hmm. it was, it was a dark couple of years for, I wasn't fun to be around. Yeah. You know, that's that, it. You know, and a lot of people, you know, people know that you hear people say that people in, Police, fire, EMS, nursing, things like that have a dark sense of humor. Like that's kind of a thing people say, but like mm-hmm. you don't realize like it's it's necessary. It's like, a coping you know, mechanism. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. You you can't deal with, and I've never dealt with anything like that. Like you, like being an ER yeah. ER nurse in New York during a pandemic is I've never dealt with anything like that. Mm-hmm. But you know, I've I've definitely had my stretches where it's just like you deal with death. And sadness and mm-hmm. and stuff just all day every day. Mm-hmm. Like you've got to find a way to deal with it. And yeah. and, some, and, and unfortunately, with the advent of podcasting, we can say it out loud for other people to hear. Uh, we used to just do it around the coffee table at the firehouse. But <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's kind of what I was thinking too. Like in those situations, like as a first responder, I can imagine, or like 
what I'm relating to is from my grad school days working forensic scenes, like body mm-hmm. um, body recovery scenes. Um, and you can't really bring all of that home either. If you want to talk mm-hmm. about it, you can't right. constantly be talking to your spouse or your partner or your whoever. You know, they don't necessarily like people think they want to hear those stories until they actually start hearing some of those stories. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it's not as fun as it may be or interesting as it maybe sounds. And so having like a therapist or somebody else that you can just literally pay to like sit there and let you get all of that out, I think is so helpful for not only yourself, but all of your, all of your relationships as well. It's huge. I mean, that, oh, was, a, yeah. that was a huge contributing factor in my, my divorce mm-hmm. that I had. That it was mm-hmm. because I would bring it home and then I would try to, to and, and my wife at the time was, and it was nothing wrong with, but she's just like, I don't. I don't want to hear about any of that. I'm a I'm yeah. an elementary school yeah. teacher. Yeah. I don't want to hear about this guy's brains you pulled off the exactly. the interstate, you know, yeah. or whatever, you know, whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And it just it just like built this animosity and it back and forth where it was just like, look, I, you're supposed to be the person that I come home and dump this on. And right. she's like, nah, that's not what I yeah. signed up for. You were yeah. a contractor when we got married. Right. There exactly. Was no, there was yeah. none of this. That was low stakes. <laughs> when me and Russ yeah. got married, we were both bartenders. And so it was a whole, di- you know, we both bartended in New York City for years and that's how we met. And then he put me through nursing school. Um, I went a little later. I was 28 when I went back to school. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, he saw me through nursing school. He worked extra hard for me to get through it. And then I started in the ER. I was like so passionate and so excited. And then the pandemic hit and all that happened. And then I'm just coming home every day, dumping it all on him. Yeah. And he was like, bro, I can't take this. Like, and he, you know, when you don't, when, like you said, when you, Erica, when you d- don't deal with dead bodies or things that traumatic, mm-hmm. people mm-hmm. just don't understand. Right. Um, and we do have to have this sense of humor or like, mm-hmm. you have to be able to kind of push it down because if I was affected by every code I was in or every death I saw or every person that died, I wouldn't be able to go to work, yeah. you know, right. you have to be able to push it down or you have to mm-hmm. be able to laugh about it. Like some of the, mm-hmm. if you read some of the nurse meme Instagrams or the <laughs> work, there's an Instagram called worst responders. It's first responder <laughs> Instagram. And it's all like the sickest stuff. That, like oh, if you aren't in that industry and I, you read it, you think yeah. we're terrible human beings, but it's like, you have to laugh about some of this stuff mm-hmm. sometimes just to get through it. Well, yeah, and some of the like if you t- you have people that are that are trained and conditioned to not be upset about the death. We have to be able to not be upset about the death, or we can't get up and go to work every day. Mm-hmm. So there's so many like from being a fireman for all those years. There's so many circumstances where like people like were like, oh, I can't laugh at that because the guy died. I'm like I can because I already forgot. I already forgot about the fact. Yeah, that mm-hmm. there's a exactly. dead person here. Mm-hmm. That dude was naked with a bag of Cheetos <laughs> yeah. on his chair with a porn still playing on his like looping right. through the menu on uh-huh. his TV. That uh-huh. was something <laughs> yeah. That's what we're talking about. To at least the guys of those of us that were that were yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. yeah True definitely. story, by the way. Uh, <laughs> I believe it too. <laughs> that was what I I showed, and I you know I had worked my way through the ranks where I didn't have to go deal. You know, I was I was the lieutenant on the rig, so. Yeah, you know, we pulled up and the cops, you know, they, they they found this guy and they needed us going with with air packs to take him out because he'd mm-hmm. been there for a while. You can oh, imagine. wow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That was smelly. And I was, Guaranteed. It, and they had yeah. called us to the scene to bring air packs. So I showed up and my, got, my crew was in the back. They started suiting up. I said, no, 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 no. 
They said they want air packs. They're trained. Give them the air packs. They can go <laughs> deal with it. And so they're like, aren't you guys going to go? I'm like, no, we're not going. You go in. You can use our air packs. And go in. And then the the Sarge from the police department told me what was going on in there. And I was like, wait, what? Give me that air pack. Yeah, you're like, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, like, like <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So many, so many things oh, like yeah, that. Oh, yeah. So, so what is your first of all? I want to touch on because you're. The, it's been a while since I've had anybody on that was a bartender. If mm-hmm. I if uh, I walked in, I was a bartender. Your, I'm literally on every episode. <laughs> I didn't know. Listen. <laughs> You're you are nothing more than my lowly assistant. Why would Aww. I know? What you <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. You're right. You're right. <laughs> you're not the production manager of the show. You're my assistant. Uh, uh, okay, so I'll as both of you then. No, no. But, uh, Ask her. Mostly just Jess. I don't <laughs> yes. really care. What, I'll just... <laughs> That's Jess. If I if 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 I walked up to your bar because this is this is very important uh, okay. for your credibility as a bartender. If I okay. walked up to you in the bar mm-hmm. and I said, "Give me a Woodford Manhattan up," how are you going to make it? Oh come on, that's an easy one. A Woodford well, Manhattan that... up. First of all, hold on. If you're a bourbon guy, why are you having Woodford in a Manhattan? You need to be having it straight up or on the rocks. Okay, I. That's my so, first. That's my so first. First criticism. of all, I am a bourbon guy, and I generally do drink uh, my bourbon on the rocks. Okay, but I'm kind of a big deal, Jess. So Woodford's <laughs> like down the down the lit. Like like Woodford is as high up as I will go with my bourbon and put it an, into and a Manhattan. Drink, yeah, yeah oh, like, okay. like like anything above that is getting drink. I'm not going to ruin it with the vermouth. Okay, so yes, I would do uh, sweet vermouth, Woodford. Do you need to know like ounces or we're good with <laughs> just give me a gem. There's something in particular I'm really yeah, looking he's for. <laughs> Wait, so do you do you like a perfect Manhattan? Do you like dry and sweet or just sweet? Nope, just a uh, just sweet. Just sweet. Okay. So sweet vermouth. But nice flex on the uh yeah. the, the perfect knowledge there. <laughs> uh would I would not shake it. I would stir it. There it is. Yeah. And I would um throw a little cherry in there. No cherry juice. I know some people like cherry juice in their Manhattans. I think that's gross. I would just do a cherry. cherry. That- uh, no bitters? Oh, yes. Oh, look at me. I stumbled. Yes, bitters, obviously. <laughs> yeah, yes. you got the important part, though. <laughs> yeah. Nothing pisses me off more when I go to, when you go to a night, which, I mean, I don't, I don't drink Manhattans very often anymore. I'm, I've, once you kind of get to the point where you drink bourbon, like straight bourbon, mm-hmm. then it's. You don't really drink Manhattan, but I used to drink them a lot. Mm-hmm. Another one pissed me off more than you go to a nice fancy bar mm-hmm. and order a Manhattan up and they put all the stuff in there and then they shake it and make it all foamy and yeah, chunks of ice no. everywhere and yeah. bruise it. Totally ruins it. 100%. I'm an old fashioned drinker myself. I don't me do, too. yeah, I don't do um, Manhattans. I'm more of an old fashioned gal. I prefer this. And I don't like muddled cherries or oranges mm. either. I only like um, sugar or simple syrup, just a splash. I don't want it mm-hmm. super duper sweet. Right. And bitters. I usually, I love Woodford, um, but I probably wouldn't do Basil Hayden's Old Fashioned because Basil Hayden's is my favorite bourbon, but I would oh, drink really? that one yeah. straight or on the rocks. I would um, never mix Basil Hayden's with anything. No, yeah. yeah. And then um, I always do like an orange peel but I won't muddle any mm. of the fruit in there. I don't like all the muddled stuff. <laughs> I don't I like don't to eat my drink. Yeah. So. <laughs> every, every once in a while, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll feel a little froggy and we'll order a, 
old fashioned. It, it just usually it's just like I it, again normally it's just bourbon on the rocks is is I, I'm how mm-hmm. I usually drink it. Mm-hmm. But just every once in a while, just so it, it, yeah. I'll like usually it's like I'll look over at somebody's table <laughs> when I'm ordering, and I'm like, you know what, that does seem refreshing. I'll yeah, have, uh, you dress I'll it have up every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah. so. I think Jess, I think the reason you don't like the muddled fruit, maybe at least, is at least from my experience, the thing I notice most people doing wrong with their old fashions is they muddle the shit out of that fruit, and you don't, you just want to like squish it a little bit like you don't like people mangle that so then yeah there's all like the junk in the bottom it's like, yeah like a bunch a of like pulp yeah it's not mm-hmm. you shouldn't muddle it that much <laughs> no yeah definitely not i mean we're big old-fashioned people russ is a big bourbon drinker as well mm-hmm. um if you ever listen to our pod he's drinking every episode because he's got social anxiety <laughs> nice. so the only way he can get through the episode is to have a couple drinks <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> otherwise he just stays really quiet Gotta which some people out. probably would prefer because one of our one of our <laughs> things that we get a a lot is that he interrupts me all the time because he does he interrupts me through the story the That's whole time thing. yeah and uh <laughs> <laughs> definitely and he grows on people so a lot of, we get so much feedback that says oh i listened to the first episode and russ got on my nerves but then i listened to a couple more and now i love him he grew yeah. on me <laughs> so he has to have a few drinks so he's always either nice. have having beer or wine or bourbon while we're recording. I can't drink while we record our regular episode, our Patreon episodes I can, but our regular episodes I cannot because I'm reading my own script that I wrote and I will, my my speech is the first thing to go. So it'll, it'll all <laughs> be ruined. Recording, it's like, and then you walk through the door. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's my wife. That's that's her kryptonite. If I, if I talk to her on the phone, I can tell within two words, She'll be like, hey, how's it going? I mean, I'm like, are you're drunk. Yes. Like, I can <laughs> Yeah. It is not Caleb. like a real obvious, like, uh-huh. slurring. It's just, they're just, you could just, there's just a little something the there. You can tell. Yep, there it is. <laughs> yeah. Your mm-hmm. tongue is swollen or something's happening. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, so, you guys, no kids, but you're, uh, you're a dog mom. Yes, I'm a dog mom. No kids. Um, you know, we're getting to the point now where, like, we got to decide, but we're so immature. I don't know if, like, listen, I'm 37. He's 41. We're super immature. And <laughs> I can't even imagine bringing into it kids into my life at this point. And I don't, I don't know if we've don't. gone too far. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like, I feel like we've, we've crossed over. And, like, we have all of our friends have kids. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're the only ones without kids out of our friends. Yep. Um but I see how miserable everyone is. And I'm just like, wait, I do not want yeah. this. <laughs> um, I mean, no no hate towards people who... I, I've also just never been the type of woman that's like, I have to be a mom, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I've always been more career focused and Same. more about hustling. Yeah. And that's just always been more my focus and same mm-hmm. with him. And so since neither one of us are pushing the other person to like have kids, it's just... Not happening. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> no. So yeah. I have dogs. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't you just don't change your mind like three years from now because then when you're <laughs> all your friends are finally gonna be like, My kids are graduated out of the house, let's yeah. go out and party. And you're like, Well, mine's yeah. six. So Exactly. I know. Be- <laughs> <Same home>. yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah, no, I always admire people that I mean I have I have four kids and I'm glad you know, I always wanted kids and I'm glad I have them, even though they drive me fucking nuts. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um but that's just part of the you all. Know, but but I always admire people that are able because people give give other people shit who don't want 
kids oh, as yeah. though it's Especially like a requirement. Women. Especially, Especially yeah. women. Yeah. The number I have some... of times I've been told, like, oh, you'll change your mind. You'll change oh, your yes. Mind. I'm like, yes. Mm, well, clock's still ticking. Hasn't changed yeah. yet. Could be yeah. I just don't want to deal with yeah. little humans. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I love kids. I'm not like, yeah. you know, I have a niece and nephew. I love them dearly. I love them so much. But I'm also, right now, I don't know if I'll change my mind, but as of now, I'm cool with being the cool aunt exactly. who buys yeah. them a bunch of stuff and sends them gifts all the time and you know i'm the mm-hmm. i'm good with that role yeah yeah for sure and i just think people should be able to do whatever the hell they want to do so we we have some <laughs> friends that are our age that got married and said they didn't want kids and then after a few years they uh actually the husband went and got a vasectomy and, mm-hmm. the, and like the doctor was given mm-hmm. like are you sure oh, yeah, you might want to yeah. He's mm-hmm. like, yeah, we've discussed it and decided that we don't want to have kids, so we're going to make sure we don't have kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and there were all these people that were just like, oh, that's crazy. How can you be married? <laughs> yeah. And now, like, we're all. I was never one of those people, but I'm with the other group that's all sitting there just miserable. Like, I gotta, god damn it, my stupid kids calling me. I gotta go do something, <laughs> yeah. and they're just like, cool. I'll see you at the next bar if you guys make it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But so yeah, good no, for I mean, you. some doctors won't even let a like single or unmarried woman get her tubes tied. Like some yeah, doctors they won't. won't even do it. They'll be mm-hmm. like, nah, you should think about it longer and then send them away. <laughs> I don't know. Here's my thing. Like everybody in, in social media, you know, social media is like halfway ruining our world, but also <laughs> right? been good no, for us. Totally it's like this right, weird, yeah. like, you know, dual mm-hmm. thing. Um, but we're all about positivity body positivity, let people do what they want, blah, 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 blah. When is that going to happen for women who don't want to have kids? I feel right. like that's the last, that's the thing that we still get judged about all the time. Oh, yeah. It's a, it's such a huge thing. And it's almost like sometimes women who do have kids get offended. Like, I don't care if you have kids. Right. Have kids. Not, like, yeah. that's great for you. Just don't. It's not like we're saying we hate all your children. Yeah, no. It's not like we're saying any you of that. start that movement. Maybe, just start, but... like, you just start talking down to them. Like, what an idiot. Why would you have kids? Oh, my God. And, kids. That's so stupid. And, t- and tell them, like, this is how things work now. Like, it just be like, oh, you have kids? Well, people have kids are racist. And try to get that going. Yeah. And I bet it'll take cancel off kids. after a while. Let's yeah. cancel just, parenthood. Yeah. You just take a thing that you're passionate about, add a weird hat, ad hominem attack to it, and then just make it a thing. Just yes. send it out into the world. Yeah. <laughs> That's how things work these days, right? right. It is yeah. true. That's why I don't do social media. Yeah. Let's talk about so the podcast yes. uh, is called Wife of Crime, but it's not just the wife. It's the wife and the husband. Russ gets to join you. Mm-hmm. Um, what does he do, by the way? So he works in TV and film, actually. He, mm. But he works for um, a union that does all the driving. So when you okay. show up to a movie set, like if there's a set in, in New York City and you see all the trailers and everything, he's mm-hmm. one of the drivers. So he drives all the equipment. He drives the celebrities around. It kind of depends on the job that he's on. Mm -hmm. But his job is unfortunately really, really demanding. He works a ridiculous amount of hours. Anyone who works in TV and film, their hours are disgusting. I mean, they're horrible. And that's coming from an ER nurse. (laughs) Yeah. No, he works like 80 hours a week sometimes. He goes yeah. to work every day, never knowing what time he's getting off, which I could never live like that. I mm-hmm. I have too much anxiety for that. Mm-hmm. But he he literally has no idea when he's getting off every day. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's tough. 
my only experience was when I was shooting our our documentary was for for a few months. Mm-hmm. It wasn't so it was long hours for me and a lot of travel that wore me down. But I always felt bad for like the crew because mm-hmm. when we finally would wrap for the night and like you know I would get in my car and go back to my hotel. It's like they still have to break down the set, load it yep. all up in the vans, take it back to the hotel, get it back out of the vans, put it in the storage room. Mm-hmm. For That's hours. what he does. Yeah, he's the yeah. first on set and the last to leave. So yeah, it yeah. can be kind of crazy. It's it's rough. Um, so, why did you guys decide to start this this podcast? I mean, you're so he's he's working in film. You're working in the ER, and you're like, let's make a true crime podcast. Yeah. So, well, at the time he wasn't in film yet. He was working at Madison Square Garden. He was still in hospitality, so his hours were a little bit easier to work with. Um, but I, you know, I got into true crime. I've always been into true crime and forensics and that whole thing, that whole genre. Since I was a kid, I've always been really fascinated by all of it. But then, like everyone else, Serial came out and I learned about true crime podcasts. And I got like, I jumped on the Serial bandwagon and kind of heard about like all this whole world of podcasting. I didn't really listen to podcasts prior to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I fell completely in love with Sarah Koenig and her style of storytelling. And so then I started listening to like This American Life and all these other pods. And mm-hmm. I found Crime Junkie and like, you know, two host true crime podcasts where one host tells the other host a story. And uh, at the time I was listening to like My Favorite Murder morbid crime junkie Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i loved all of them but in my mind i was like well this doesn't sound like the conversations i have at home with my husband Mm -hmm. um and i thought you know maybe if we recorded us doing it he's just like a very interesting guy in and of himself plus he's a new yorker and new yorkers are just a whole breed of a different type of person (laughs) and there wasn't really any out there like that that were bigger so i was like let's try it so we started in 2019 and our first few episodes like we go back and listen to them they're so cringy just because when you listen to old episodes of your pod you know you're like oh my god you know um but yeah we've evolved over time and kind of learned how to bounce off of each other during a conversation and keep a conversation going and you know it it was it's definitely been a a a learning process but that's kind of how why i started it i i wanted to show the world that you know him and i are very different people we're kind of polar opposites in how we look at things and he's a lot more rough around the edges less PC than me. I'm always worried about what everybody thinks. Um, he doesn't give a fuck what anyone thinks of him. He actually enjoys I like him. the haters. Like he he loves getting roasted. He loves the one star reviews. Like he 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 like totally basks in being roasted. So for him, he's just complete opposite of me. So I was like, let's show the world that two people can sit down, have a conversation, not agree on like 80% of things and still love each other and still come to a place in the end of the episode where we've at least found common ground. So there's a lot of episodes where we are not argue in an annoying way, but we go back and forth. We debate each other about certain points and he'll say things that like he doesn't have a filter. So things just pop out of his mouth. And sometimes I'm just like, you can't say that. Like, And I yell at him on the podcast. So yeah. we try to be very authentic. Right. 
Well, that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into this case. Or the uh, this case, uh, Sonny Jacobs and mm-hmm. Jesse Taffaro. Is that right? Taffaro. Yeah. Taffaro was covered in the Wife of Crime episode titled "Sunny Days Ahead." Yes. Uh, which just came out in January of 2022, almost a year ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so tell us about this case. It was in Broward, uh, Broward County, Florida. Yes. Yeah, so Sonny Jacobs and Jesse Tafaro, uh, they were like self-described hippies. Um, they lived in North Carolina. They had two kids. And they were having a hard time finding work. So Jesse went down to Florida to take a, a construction job. And while he was down there, um, uh, Sonny ended up coming down to pick him up when the job was over. When she came down to pick him up, uh, something happened with their car, it broke down, and so they got a ride from one of the guys he was on the construction job with, but he didn't really know him too well. His name is Walter Rhodes. And uh, while driving with this guy, Walter, it was Sunny in the back seat with um, her two kids, and Jesse Taffaro was in the front seat with Walter. Um, These two cops come by, uh, they were they were at a rest stop. These two cops come by and, and just kind of see like, what are you doing? Why are you parked here at this rest stop? And Walter ended up having a gun on the floor uh, near his feet and the cops spotted it. So they made everybody get out of the car. And when that happened, Walter just opened fire on these cops and killed them. And Jesse was in shock and Sonny you know, she like got woken up by the gunfire. She was trying to protect her children. And then he ended up getting into this high speed chase with police. And it went on and on for, I think, a couple hours. And, um, you know, they arrested all three of them. They took her kids away. Uh, they took the kids away from them. And Walter was an ex-con. So he kind of knew the system. And he was like, I'll give you a, I'll give you their names and I'll take a plea. And Mm -hmm. Jesse and Sonny ended up going to prison for these murders of these cops. And, um, you know, her children ended up in the foster care system eventually. And she she's just one of the most inspiring women I've I've ever seen speak, Um, because while in prison, she was in the hole for five years in solitary confinement for five years because she was the only woman on death row in Florida at the time. This was the 70s. Um, And so throughout her five years of being completely alone, she had to cope with with all of it. And she found yoga and meditation because she was like a bit of a hippie. Um, So she started meditating every day and doing yoga. And that's what kept her kind of like centered. Um, And... She had a team of lawyers behind her who were who were helping her try to appeal her case and appeal and appeal. And eventually she her her sentence got uh, switched from death to life and she ended up in gen pop. Mm. Right. But but Jesse, Jesse was um, executed. Yes, he was. Uh, uh, so Jesse ended up dying and he was the last electric chair execution in Florida because he caught on fire which is just like so horrific yeah and he ended up being on fire i think it was i can't remember how many minutes but it was like close to 10 minutes oh my gosh it yeah, took him to, to die or they had to like stop the execution like two or three times because something was mm-hmm. very uh similar to what you see in um Green mile. green mile. Green mile. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. 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 
and and then and then after that, so then Sonny eventually ended up getting re, getting released mm-hmm. by was it an Alfred plea something? That yeah, they, mm-hmm. it was. She took an Alfred plea, similar to West Memphis three, kind of mm-hmm. similar to that case. Uh, she she refused though. Uh, you know, there were many times where she, they pretty much told her, "If you just say your husband did it, like we'll let you go." And she was like, absolutely not. So she ended up spending 17 years in prison for this murder that she didn't commit because she refused to put any blame on her husband whatsoever, even after he was dead, because she couldn't live with herself. She loved her husband so much. Mm -hmm. And she took an Alfred plea and then ended up um, getting out after 17 years and moved to Ireland and started Uh uh, the Sunny Center with her new husband she she did a bunch of talks out in europe um with amnesty international and met her current husband his name is peter pringle and he's so cute he looks like santa claus <laughs> he's so cute and they Sounds like santa claus yeah peter yeah. pringle and yeah. he was also an exoneree so oh, they wow. opened up the sunny center in ireland um to help exonerees get reacclimated in life oh really cool yeah yeah but it's it's such a horrible story though too because she they they lost their kids Mm -hmm. she lost 17 years of her life her husband was put to death yeah and then and and the alfred plea wasn't just just for nothing i mean the based on the physical evidence original witnesses recanted their testimony oh yeah uh, there was plenty of reasons to believe that they were completely innocent of this Mm -hmm. in their you know jesse lost his life in Sunny's life, I would say her life was destroyed, but she's, you know, she's really, really made something of her life now that she's, she's gotten back out. Yeah. How, how long did, did Rhodes serve in prison? Cause he, cause he took a deal for like second degree murder. Yeah. I, to be honest, I don't, I don't remember. I should have looked it up. I don't remember how long he was in prison. He might be in prison for life. I think he just wanted to avoid the death penalty. I'm, I'm pretty That's sure if I remember it correctly, yeah. he is okay. still in prison or he, died in prison. I, I don't know if he's still alive, but he got a life sentence in exchange for them getting the death penalty. Yeah, it, it's the whole story is just like like a lot of exoneration and wrongful conviction cases. We're, we're right at the point where we're, we're running a little long, so we're going to go. We had another case to talk about, but I think we'll, we'll save that and tell people to go check that one out on your podcast as well. So the, the title of the podcast we just talked about is called Sunny Days Ahead. It was yeah. released about a year ago. Uh, another great um, uh, series of survival stories mm-hmm. um, that was covered on the case of the Susan, uh, Susan Walters, and that episode is titled "Not Me, Not Today." Uh, so definitely check that one out too. I'm going to tell you all of our survival stories are titled "Not Me, Not Today." So any of the ones that oh. say "Not Me, Not Today," they're all survivor cases. Oh, gotcha. Yeah. So there's plenty of them to choose from. Her name is Jess. The podcast is called Wife of Crime. Check out her and her uh, no-nonsense husband, <laughs> Russ. Uh, yep. Check it out. Could be your next big true crime binge, Jess. Thanks so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure getting to know you. Yes, thank you. I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Crime Binge is an NBI Studios production and is distributed by Audioboom. 
Produced and edited by Kelly Barron's Brink. Our production manager and co-host is Erica Cantor. Music and show artwork was created by Shane Yoder of PutThemInASong.com. And episode artwork is created by John Hayes. Our website, TrueCrimeBinge.com, was created by Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com. If you're a listener and would like to recommend a future guest or a podcaster that would like to request an interview, you can do so right on our website. And again, that web address is TrueCrimeBinge.com. If you're enjoying the show, please do me a huge favor and take a minute to rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're using to listen. Make sure you give us a follow on social media. We can be found everywhere at True Crime Binge. And thank you so much for listening. And make sure you tune in next Wednesday morning for another podcaster, another case, and another True Crime Binge.